Luke chapter 13, verse 31. Can you guys go there? Lucas capítulo 13, versículo 31. Deja doy una breve explicación aquí de Lucas. Todo el, la, la mayoría parte de este año, los, el grupo en español hemos pasado nuestro tiempo en el Evangelio de Lucas. Hemos ido el recorrido para eh, Pascua, ah, hemos encontrado diferentes pasajes donde nos hemos quedado como el buen samaritano varias semanas viendo lo que es el albergue, lo que es ser un lo que es ser un buen prójimo. Entonces, vamos a continuar posiblemente el resto del año en este mundo de Lucas. Y quizás lo que voy a mencionar suele un poquito igual que hace unas semanas, pero creo que es un poquito igual diferente. Entonces, seguimos aprendiendo. So, we've been in the world of gospel of Luke in the Spanish ministry. So, let me give you a quick, quick summary here. We've been walking all the way through with Jesus all the way to Jerusalem. And every now and then we're interrupted by an encounter that Jesus has with someone else and we, we, we have allowed ourselves to sit down with Jesus in that scene and encounter it in different ways. And we've sort of moved in into the world of Luke. And what's great about that is you discover new things about the gospel you didn't know at times were there. And so I don't know about you, but I lived a Christianity for a while where I was bored reading the gospels. Yeah, I said it. Because I felt like I'm reading what I already know. I already anticipated the points the answers, what I was supposed to learn from that story. And it was all just another rereading of something I already knew. Am I the only one? And so things have changed now. I've slowed down, I've moved into these worlds and I've discovered new things in my own personal Bible study, which you always want your minister to be excited about what his Bible studies are, right? Um, and so one of the things that takes place here, we'll see at the end of Luke, there's a surprise encounter of a very familiar passage uh, with Jesus and two individuals on the road of Emmaus. But there's a call that Luke makes for us, and we'll hear that call, and we'll take a little bit of that journey as an example. So I hope that kind of makes sense. Lo que vamos a hacer hoy, vamos a regresar ahorita al final de Lucas. Tener este encuentro con esa pareja en Lucas 24. Escuchar lo que dice Jesús y regresamos a Lucas 13 para dar un ejemplo de las cosas nuevas que podemos descubrir en el Evangelio de Lucas. So let's do that. And Luke Chapter 24, Jesus has risen from the dead. And there's a couple there who are, are walking and they're walking away from Jerusalem. They're going out of town and, and, and the Bible describes what they're feeling. And then they encounter Jesus. Jesus starts walking with them, but they don't recognize Jesus. And that brings up a whole lot of different questions. 
And Jesus starts drawing them out, asking questions. And they start pouring out all these feelings and all these emotions. And then they stop. And they share a meal because all important things in the Gospel of Luke happen at a table with food. That is a sign from Luke in the Gospel there that when there's a table and there's a meal, something important, special is taking place. Y regresamos a esta pareja que después de la resurrección se están alejando de Jerusalén. El lugar donde Jesús ha prometido que va a resucitar. Están desanimados y van alejados. And this is how the Bible describes them. It says, they stood still, their faces downcast. Se detuvieron cabizbajos. That describes their emotion. Describe sus emociones. And then they say, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Y dicen, pero nosotros abrigábamos la esperanza que era él quien redimiría a Israel. Do you get that? They're discouraged. But they believe that Jesus was the redeemer of Israel. ¿Sí ven eso? Están desanimados, pero creen que Jesús es el Redentor de Israel. How can they be so discouraged when they believe something so true? Can you relate? Where you believe things that are true. You're convinced. You have conviction about that. And yet emotionally, you're discouraged. Can you relate? Así están ellos. Convencidos de verdad profunda, pero al mismo tiempo emocionalmente desconectados. And so we can say that they're right to hope, but they're wrong to be discouraged. That's how Jesus met this two people. He met them where they were at. Where are you at in this season of life? Not just today. In this season of life, where are you at? How are you feeling? How is Jesus encountering you? We can celebrate that God encounters us where we are. Así están ellos. Es buena su esperanza, pero malo su desánimo. Y creo que nos puede describir a muchos de nosotros en las etapas de vida que hemos estado. Donde tenemos buena esperanza, pero estamos emocionalmente desgastados y desanimados. So they are right to hope, but wrong to be discouraged. So what does Jesus do? He keeps walking with them. What does that say about the living God who walks with you even though emotionally you're discouraged? He doesn't want your performance. He wants your heart. He's patient with you. 
not wanting you to perish. I mean, you can fill in so many scriptures into that truth. The God who walks with us. ¿Qué se dice del Dios que a pesar de que estamos desanimados, camina con nosotros? No regaña, no se va, no dice regresa cuando te sientes mejor. No, camina contigo en tu desánimo. ¿Qué dice del Dios que es paciente contigo? Y no te abandona. Que Él no quiere resultados. Él quiere tu corazón. So then Jesus is about to just keep going. And these two people look at Jesus and say, Why don't you stay with us? It's almost evening. Early in the church, that became a prayer. Stay with us, Lord. It's almost evening. It became a call of, we're in need, God. There's unknown happening. Stay with us, Lord, for it's almost evening. Perhaps you can relate to that prayer. Where you can feel there are things in your life where you feel like, man, it's almost evening. I'm not sure. I'm not feeling great about this. I'm feeling vulnerable and insecure. Stay with us, Lord. It's almost evening. Esa pareja los invita a Jesús, le dice, quédate con nosotros porque ya está anocheciendo. Para la iglesia, en los, después de los varios años de la resurrección, la iglesia hizo una oración así. Quédate con nosotros, Dios, porque ya está anocheciendo. Fue una oración que los llama a la iglesia a reconocer que está anocheciendo, que, que simbólicamente significa hay inseguridad. Pero quédate, Dios, porque ya está anocheciendo. And so perhaps we can say that prayer this week. Stay, Lord, for it's almost evening. So Jesus stays with them. You know, but then he says this. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all scripture concerning who? Himself. Dice, entonces, comenzando por Moisés y por todos los profetas, les explicó lo que se refería a él todas las escrituras. Do you get what he just said? Do you get what Luke is saying? Sabemos lo que dijo Jesús, pero ¿sabes lo que está diciendo el escritor Lucas? What Luke is saying is, You've been reading my narrative up to this point. And right here Luke says, go reread it. Go back and reread my narrative. But now, reread it with Jesus as the God of Israel. Do you see that? Do we read the Gospels thinking about Jesus as the God of Israel? Luke wants you to do that. So up to this point, it hasn't been 
publicly proclaimed by Jesus who he is. But here, there's a public proclamation that in fact, Jesus is the God of Israel. So when you reread Luke and you walk with Jesus in Luke, seeing and hearing Jesus as the embodiment of the God of Israel, you discover new things. And we'll, we'll share an example today. So, ¿qué es lo que dice Jesús? Hace una declaración muy pública y muy obvia. Que Él es el Dios de Israel. Y muchas veces leemos el Evangelio de Lucas... Y escuchamos a Jesús como Jesús, pero no escuchamos en veces a Jesús como el Dios de Israel. Y lo que está haciendo Lucas, el escritor, nos está diciendo, vayan y lean otra vez el Evangelio de Lucas. Pero esta vez, en su relectura, vean a Jesús como el Dios de Israel. ¿Cómo lees Lucas tú? ¿Lo lees como las palabras de Jesús o las palabras del Dios de Israel? ¿Hay diferencia? Posiblemente. Te abre puertas para algo diferente. So let's, let's look at an example of that. Luke chapter 13. Vamos a ver un ejemplo de esta relectura. Let's give an example of this re-reading re Luke. Amen? Luke 13. <clears throat> Verse 31, at that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, go tell that fox. I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. In any case, I must, I must press on today, tomorrow, and the next day. For surely no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. And in a very familiar passage to us, but hopefully we see something new, Jesus says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So what is Jesus doing? He's revealing himself to be God. If we do a rereading, imagining Israel, the God of Israel, we will see that. And we'll, we'll see that in just a second. Let me read it in Spanish. Vamos a leerlo. En ese momento se acercaron a Jesús unos fariseos y le dijeron, sal de aquí y vete a otro lugar porque Herodes quiere matarte. 
Él le contestó, vayan y díganle a ese zorro, mira, hoy y mañana seguiré expulsando demonios y sanando a la gente y al tercer día terminaré lo que debo hacer. Tengo que seguir adelante hoy, mañana y pasado mañana porque no puede ser que muera un profeta fuera de Jerusalén. Jerusalén, Jerusalén, que matas a los profetas y apedreas a los que se te envían. ¿Cuántas veces quise reunir a tus hijos como reuní a la gallina, de sus, una gallina a sus pollitos debajo de sus alas, pero no quisiste? Pues bien, la casa de ustedes va a quedar abandonada y les advierto que ya no volverá a, ver, a verme hasta el día que se diga, bendito el que viene en el nombre del Señor. ¿Qué está diciendo Jesús aquí? Se está declarando como el rey de Israel. Como el Dios de Israel. So Jesus here, he's, he's revealing himself in his words. He's identifying himself as the God of Israel. The challenge is, Luke doesn't write like Matthew. Matthew will say, this happened to fulfill what was written in the prophets. Does that sound familiar? Luke doesn't write like that. So sometimes we want to see the evidence that Jesus is God and we'll go to Matthew, and rightly so, or John. But at Luke, we're kind of like, oh, that's just more about people's needs, not really about the God of Israel. But no, in Luke, Jesus reveals God's self in a very unique way through pictures and images. Muchas veces, cuando queremos encontrar la evidencia que Jesús es Dios, leemos el Evangelio de Mateo o de Juan y en veces no leemos Lucas porque no escuchamos los tonos y las imágenes que Lucas nos provee, que nos da evidencia de que Jesús es Dios. So, what are some of this imagery? What's happening here? In Deuteronomy chapter 32, in verse 10 through 12, It says, in a desert land, he found him. This is God talking to Israel and Jacob. In a barren and howling waste, he shielded him and, carried, and, and cared for him. He guarded him as the apple, up, apple of his eye, like an eagle that stirs up his nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them aloft. The Lord alone led him. So when Jesus sits down with those two and he says, everything written in the law and the prophets is written about me, we have to go back to Luke and reread it and find where in the world is Luke talking about the Old Testament? And this is one of them. When Jesus says, I am like a hen covering my cheeks. It's a reference to passages like this where only God expressed himself in this way. 
with wings, with feather, with sheltering. Do you see that? This may sound pretty obvious, like, okay, I kind of already knew that. But if you're bored with Gospels, this is a little bit of a deeper dive to walk alongside the God who through images calls you to dig in the Old Testament in ways that are not obviously giving to you. And you discover new things about the God you're longing to connect to. Entonces vemos esta imagen en el Antiguo Testamento donde Dios se describe a sí mismo como un ave, metafóricamente hablando, que cubre a sus crías. Es el mismo lenguaje que está hablando Jesús. Entonces, ¿qué está diciendo Jesús en Lucas 13? Yo soy Dios. Yo soy el Dios que los cuida y los protege. Pero en veces nos perdemos lo que está diciendo Jesús porque nos enfocamos en Herodes, en lo que está pasando, en los fariseos, en lamento, en la cruz. Pero perdemos esta imagen que Jesús en este instante dijo, yo soy Dios. Tenemos una imagen que, Dios te, que Jesús te ayuda a llegar a Dios. Jesús es Dios. And so, it's not as obvious unless we reread and see these images. Jesus declaring himself to be God. One more. Una más. In Psalm 91, he says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. That's what Jesus is referencing. And we'll talk a little bit more about his lament there. Y en este, en el Salmo 91, aquí vemos esta, esta, esta frase que dice, Pues te cubrirá con sus plumas y bajo sus alas hallarás refugio. Su verdad será tu escudo y tu baluarte. Jesús usa esta imagen de una gallina con sus alas cubriendo a sus pollitos para decirnos yo soy Dios. Isn't it interesting that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, where he knows and has been predicting that he is going to be crucified and killed. But he does not pray for protection from God's wings. Why? Because he's God. He says, I protect with my wings. But we sometimes have an image of Jesus mainly in Matthew 
wrestling and wrestling with the Father to take the cross. And we sometimes don't have a clear image that Jesus is God because of those images. But Matthew is doing something completely different and unique, which is why we need four Gospels to continue to discover the mysteries of the living God. But we can't blend them all together. We need to respect and honor each gospel world and live in it for a while and not rush things. And in that slowing down, we encounter fresh ways, the presence and faithfulness of God. Es increíble que Jesús ya, ya va directamente a Jerusalén, va a ser crucificado, pero Él no dice, Dios, protégeme con tus alas. ¿Por qué? Porque Él es Dios. ¿Qué dice? Con mis alas protejo. Muchas veces tenemos una imagen de Jesús en Mateo, donde Jesús está luchando para rendirse y tomar la cruz, irse rinde ante el Padre. Y en veces vemos a un Jesús que no es Dios en esa imagen. Pero la imagen de Lucas nos está diciendo, no, Jesús sí es Dios. Y este misterio del Dios trinitario, el Padre, Hijo, Espíritu Santo. And so we keep, for the four Gospels are going to help us encounter the Trinitarian God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Don't you want to encounter God in fresh ways? Isn't Christianity somewhat getting boring and routine? That's a call to get closer to God, God's way, not our way. We have to join God in God's world, in God's mission, in God's Parameters of Scripture. ¿No te estás aburriendo del cristianismo y la rutina? No queremos ser religiosos. Queremos ser participantes fieles en la vida y la misión de Dios. So Luke says, sit down with me, reader. Let me tell you a secret here at the end as I've resurrected all the prophets and the law and Moses, they spoke about me. And he doesn't give you how, ways how. <laughs> he just stops right there because Luke is saying, go back and reread it. Yeah. And when you do that, oh, wow, Jesus is declaring himself God, celebrating the feminine qualities of God. The nurturing hen. And so you discover God's presence and faithfulness. We cannot have a Christianity where we have a God of the Old Testament and a God of the New Testament. Don't do that. That's not true. If you have those images, we've inherited those images. What God used to do and what God is doing now. Who God was then and who God is now. God is one. Jesus is the embodiment of God in the flesh. And so as we get to know Jesus, we get to know God. And to participate in the life of God, 
We need God to help us, God's spirit to help us and lead us. And so we depend and live and dwell with the living God. Necesitamos una mejor imagen del Dios de la Biblia. Y no tener una imagen del Dios del Antiguo Testamento que era enojón. Y el Dios de amor y sacrificio del Nuevo Testamento. I'm a little more dramatic in Spanish. You just got to be true to the language. Pero no podemos tener esa imagen. Dios es el mismo. Dios es uno. In fact, that's exactly what Jesus is saying. He says, I'm going to continue what I'm doing today, tomorrow, and the next day. Was he talking about just his journey to Jerusalem? Or might he be saying, look, everything I'm doing to redeem all creation. Cuando Jesús dice, yo voy a cumplir mi misión. Hoy, mañana y el siguiente día. ¿Está hablando solamente los próximos días a Jerusalén? Sí. ¿Pero también está hablando de qué? De todo lo que Dios está haciendo. There's depth in Luke. Deep calls for deep. Let's join God and encounter these truths. Vamos a terminar. Let's close things out. One of the things that Luke is doing is Luke wants to shape our desires. Una de las cosas que Lucas quiere hacer y que hace, quiere formar nuestros deseos. What role do desires play in your life? ¿Qué papel tienen los deseos en tu vida? What do you do without desires? What are the dominant desires in your life? ¿Qué decisiones tomas sin deseos? ¿Qué, haría, qué, sería, ¿Qué sería de tu vida sin deseos? ¿O cuáles son los deseos más dominantes en tu vida? What are the dominant desires in your life? You know, God doesn't want to condemn desires. God wants to mold desires. There's clear named sinful desires. But there's also clear named spirit desires. And sometimes we play the evil desires and condemn desires, but don't talk enough, enough about good desires. The Bible doesn't do that. Now, Luke is not going to tell you, here's how God wants to shape your desires. He's going to tell you in story in pictures, in encounters. Dios quiere moldar tus deseos. Lucas no te va a decir, estos son los deseos que quiere Dios que tengas. No, Lucas te va a introducir deseos en historia, en encuentro, en personajes. So let's look at these desires. We have Herod, Herodes. Herod has desires. What does Herod desire? What does he desire? ¿Qué desea Herodes? Matar a Jesús. Herod desires to kill Jesus. What do the Pharisees desire? ¿Qué son los deseos de los, de los fariseos? 
do they want to help Jesus? They're saying he's going to kill you. Don't go. Don't you think there's a possibility? They're well intended. When Jesus enters Jerusalem, the Pharisees are like, don't say that. Don't say that. Because if they declare you as God and king, we already have a king and they're going to kill you. Maybe they're trying to maintain status quo. Maybe. We don't know. Pharisees are doing something different in Luke than in other places. So what are the Pharisee desires? We don't know. Maybe they're cowards. Maybe they just, I don't know. That's interesting. We can probably relate more to naturally the Pharisees than anyone else. Because I don't think you're Herod's. You celebrated when Chica was found. You're not Herod's. Con los fariseos nos identificamos más. Pero no sabemos de sus intenciones. Quieren ayudar a Jesús. Pero no creen en Jesús. Pero no se alinean con Jesús. Pero no quieren que se lastime Jesús. Los fariseos son los que... Yo soy una buena persona. Esos son los fariseos. No necesito... Porque soy una buena persona. No me meto con nadie. Nos conocemos, ¿no? I can't translate that one. So we have Herod's desires and the Pharisees' desires. And then we have God's desires. What are God's desires here? Tenemos los deseos de Herodes, de los fariseos y de Dios. ¿Cuáles son los deseos de Dios? What are, what's God's desires? Let me protect you. Let me nurture you. Let me defend you. When you wake up tomorrow and you check the weather like a responsible human being, remember, there's a God that deeply desires to be with you that day. There's a God who wants to shelter you in God's wings because you are loved. There's a God that knows you believing him, but you're discouraged. And he'll walk with you. And he'll wait for your invite to say, I really want to get better. Can you sit down with me? Stay with me because evening's almost here. I'm about to leave you, God. Please come help me. And perhaps your eyes too will be open, like them, because they did not recognize the visible God. But then God opened their eyes, and then they saw the invisible God. So perhaps if you are in touch with the desires of God, you too can see the invisible God who desires you, who walks with you, who shelters you. Who protects you, who longs to fellowship with you. Y ahora cómo traducimos todo eso? <laughs> Mañana, al despertar, seamos conscientes 
de que hay un Dios que te desea. Ya que hay un Dios que se describe como la madre gallina y tú eres la pollita. Can't translate that, pero así camina la pollita. O pollito si eres macho. Futuro gallo y respétame. Y te abraza y te dice, estoy contigo. Y quizás conoces la verdad, pero igual como esa pareja estás desanimado, pero Dios va a caminar contigo. Hasta que lo invites, hasta que le digas, ya va a anochecer, quédate. So there's that fourth desire. That couple, what was their desire? Stay, Lord. And then they see. And then what does their desire do? They run back to Jerusalem. Not just the city, the place where God told them to be. Go where God wants you to be. And what did they do? They gave something to others. Hey, those ladies were right. Appreciate them helping out the sisters. And then they connected. So what did God do? What he's been doing all through Luke. He restores people, but then restores them to community. That's another theme in Luke. Y quizás seamos esta pareja. Porque también vemos ahí los, el cuarto deseo. De esa pareja que desea que se quede Jesús. Jesús les abre los ojos. Y que hace ese deseo. Los impulsa para regresarse a Jerusalén. No necesariamente la ciudad, pero el lugar donde Dios quería que estén. ¿Y qué hacen? Se hacen parte de la comunidad. Porque un patrón en Lucas es, te restaura Jesús para que seas parte de la comunidad. So God's desire is to walk with you. To be your God. And for you to be faithfully participating in God's community. What's your desire? El deseo de Dios es que caminar contigo, ayudarte y que seas parte de su comunidad de fe. Que sea ese también nuestro deseo. Let's pray as we take communion. Vamos a orar y tomamos comunión. God, we're so grateful that though our desires can waver, that though we might hope for you and believe in you, but at the same time, we might be emotionally disengaged and discouraged. But even then, your desire to walk alongside and to open our eyes. We pray that in return, we too respond with our desire that says, stay, Lord, and teach us. Help us to go back and reread and encounter you, to trust in you, the true and one living God. Restore us to you, restore us to your community. Te damos gracias, Dios, por ese tiempo. Gracias por tus deseos de caminar con nosotros a pesar de nuestro desánimo. Pero ayúdanos a responder, a invitarte y a participar. 
en tu vida y tu misión para igual tener los deseos que, que tú seas nuestro protector. Gracias Dios por tu amor y tu fidelidad. We participate in the breaking of bread, in the drinking of the juice, in community because you have loved us, are with us, and call us to love one another. Participamos en la comunión porque tú nos has amado, nos has llamado a participar en tu vida y en tu comunidad. Te pedimos todo esto, Jesús. Amén.